0: Hello and welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Appel. We have a bit of a curveball here today at the end of season three of the Growth Adventure. I've had the privilege to turn our microphone external to Gregory Appel and speak to entrepreneurs, leaders and innovators really from around the country. And to close out season three, I am privileged today to turn the microphone internally and talk to some of our own entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and innovators. So with that, I am pleased to introduce Amanda Gilbert and Matt Thompson. Welcome to The Growth Adventure.
1: Hello. Hi, thanks for having us.
0: So to kind of level set our conversation for the benefit of our listeners, Amanda and Matt, if you wouldn't mind, could you kind of just let people know both what your role at Gregor and Appel is, but more importantly, If you had to give a one or two sentence answer, what is it that you do on a day-to-day basis?
2: Well, this is Amanda. I'm an employee benefits consultant, and I work with a lot of our larger self-funded clients who also happen to be in healthcare. So that's the majority of my focus here at Gregory and
1: Thank you. I uh, am an account executive here at Gregory and employee benefits. I work very closely with Amanda, mostly self-funded clients here in Indiana with a few smaller clients as well.
0: All right. We in insurance tend to be guilty of using our own language. So I am probably going to uh, interrupt from time to time just to make sure when we are using language, it makes sense to everyone and not just to us. So I guess the first question before we kind of get back to the general train is when you say self-funding, could you help our listeners maybe who are not in that world understand what that means?
2: Sure, I can take that one. So self-funding typically refers to health insurance, and there is not an insurance carrier involved paying the claims. The clients fund their own employee claims and pay that both for medical and pharmacy and pay those claims typically on a weekly basis. So no insurance carrier involved. They're funding their own claims.
0: Thanks, Amanda. I promise you, uh, if you're at this point in the podcast, don't turn it off. We're not going to get super in the weeds on insurance. This is really more about growth and development. But I just wanted to make sure anytime we're guilty of using our own speak that it's not uh, making people's eyes glaze over. So. So at Gregory Nepal, one of the things that we have been really focused on, and it's the reason why this podcast is called The Growth Adventure, is we really want to help our colleagues, our clients and our community on whatever adventure their life may take them on. And that internally means we want to bring talented, curious people into the organization and help them build their career. So regardless of how or where you join Gregor and we really want to have a two-way conversation with you about what the next three, five, 10 years of your career is going to look like and help support you in that growth and development. Part of that process is within roughly the first 30 days of joining the company, we ask every new employee to sit down for a one-on-one meeting with every leader and manager in the company. And it is their meeting. We will answer any question that they have and with that, we all bring our own questions. And kind of the first question I always ask everybody is, how did you get into insurance and why insurance? So Matt and Amanda, I'm going to turn that on you at the moment. And um, Matt, why don't we start with you? How did you get into insurance?
1: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Columbus, Indiana. I still live there today. And there is a third-party administrator there in Columbus named SIHO. For our listeners, third-party administrator is what we call a company that works with self-funded health plans to administer the claims. So the health plan pays the claims, the administrator, or I should say the employer funds the claims, and the administrator is logistically behind the scenes making sure the providers get paid for their services. So I was just looking for a career. I was actually working at a pool hall at the time, so billiards, and decided I should probably get a career career knew nothing about insurance uh, or what SIHO even did, but I knew they had an office downtown. So I felt like that was probably a pretty good place to start. I started a pretty lower level at the um, in their eligibility department and then moved on to what they call employer services. So I was working directly with brokers and HR professionals who might call in to SIHO. And then my last role there was implementing any new clients that were onboarded and then less than a year into that role, I uh, received a message from a colleague that I used to work with at SIHO, who now works at Gregory and Appel, and they said, hey, you might be interested in this job. And I thought, there's no harm in applying. Let's see what happens. Checked out Gregory and Appel online and everything, and just made the decision to jump. And uh, here we are today. I've been at GNA almost five years now.
0: Thanks, Matt. I've got some follow-ups I'm going to come back to you on. But before we get there, Amanda, how about you? How did you end up in insurance?
2: Yeah, so in my early 20s, one of my childhood friend's father actually owned an agency. So I started my career in insurance and property and casualty. So selling, you know, auto and home policies, got my license in PNC first and And I was there for a couple of years, and he retired, sold his agency to a bigger company, and I ended up leaving and also going to work for a third-party administrator. At the time, it was J.F. Malloy & Associates, and they were later bought by principal. So I was there for almost eight years, and that's where I got my first experience in self-funding. I was a claims examiner. Started out on the medical side, paying medical claims and pharmacy claims, flexible spending account claims, and then moved into disability. I was a disability claims examiner, kind of worked my way up at JF Malloy and principal. And when I left there, I was a senior claims examiner and just continued on from there. So I've been in the life and health business since about 2001.
0: Well, thank you. And I, again, I got some follow up questions for you as well, Amanda. But since both of you kind of explicitly said it wasn't like you set out to get into insurance, what is it about this industry that's kept you coming back since at least 2001?
1: I've been in the industry about 10 years now. And what I love about employee benefits is, you know, being able to help employers in our state manage the very high costs that come with an employer-sponsored health plan and all the benefits that they offer employees, and, and insurance is just the vehicle that they use to do that, and it's something that we can actively um, have an effect on the money that um, employers spend. Um, if we can help them save any money, then that directly impacts how much employees save, how much money goes back into their pockets. And that might be the difference in, you know, in an employee's life, what they can and can't afford. So through insurance, we get to do that.
0: Thanks, Matt. How about you, Amanda?
2: I would say two things. I would say first, I learned something new just about every single week. A lot of people would think insurance sounds or seems boring, but honestly, you're constantly learning something new. It's a complicated industry expertise and subject matter experts are very needed. So just the fact that you're always learning something new and something challenging that's what does it for me.
0: Amanda just nicely teed up one of the things that is a common theme in our onboarding meetings with new colleagues is regardless of whether you're coming from an insurance carrier or you're coming from another insurance agency or a third party administrator who, you know, has a background in what we do or if you're coming from banking, or most recently, if you have a master's in comparative philosophy. The common theme that gets brought up over and over again, and Amanda just touched on, is learning something new every day and that intellectual curiosity. So Amanda, thank you very much for neatly teeing up my soapbox on that issue. Another thing that I wanted to talk to both of you about is kind of the the breadth, I guess, um, for lack of a better term, of of what you do. So you both work in our employee benefits department, but, you know, the the way you interact with our clients and our vendor and carrier partners really, you know, holds true across, I would say, probably most insurance on a day-to-day basis. How would you describe the nature of your interactions with, you know, the various groups that that you help serve?
2: I can take that one. I would say, you know, we are fielding questions from employees, questions from human resources teams, questions and requests from, you know, senior leadership at our clients. Being that employee benefits is usually about the number two budget item for any corporation, um, we do get high level interaction with senior leadership at our clients. So, For me, it's always been a really great opportunity interacting with, you know, executives and a lot of smart people. I've been fortunate enough to, you know, to learn a lot, just working with, you know, executives at different organizations and helping them solve problems and answer questions for them, as well as employee questions and HR issues and questions. Thanks.
1: Matt, how about you? Yeah, all of those things. And, um, you know, we get questions ranging from just simple like benefits questions to how, how is this, you know, is this thing covered or not? And we really act as a intermediary between um, the clients and then all of our vendors and carrier partners. And, and so we try to put that all in a, in a message for our clients, try to help them kind of navigate everything. So um, lots of different questions every day. Like Amanda said, it seems like we've learned something new or here or get a question probably at least once every two weeks that I've probably never gotten before, it seems like. so.
0: Yeah, thank you both. And I, I do have kind of a, a series of kind of future-looking questions for both of you, both personally as well as professionally. But before we get there, kind of we've talked now a lot about, you know, how do you get into insurance? Like, what does onboarding look like? What does growth look like? But I'd be curious for both of you, what is it as leaders in this industry that we're missing when we're talking to the general population about either what is it that we do that we love doing or why should you consider a career in insurance, right? I mean, I can talk about all the things that I love about it, but if you had a magic wand and you were at a recruiting fair, what would you say to somebody who maybe is running a pool hall or, you know, had never thought about insurance as a career? Like, what? I'd, I'd just be curious to hear what you both would have to say yeah. on that.
2: I would say that the opportunities are honestly endless. I mean, I started out as a claims examiner, you know, in this space. And now I'm an employee benefits consultant. I started at Gregory Nappel as an account manager and moved up from an account manager to a senior account manager, to an account executive, to now an employee benefits consultant. So I would say just the opportunity for advancement and you know, financially. I don't think a lot of people realize the opportunity in insurance is significant. I mean, if you're motivated and open to learning, there's a lot of opportunity to advance and make a lot of money doing it.
1: Absolutely. And I and I would just add that in what we do in employee benefits, I like the fact that it's it's a niche um, market. People think of insurance, they, they might think of uh, Medicare or, you know, their car or auto insurance, but and employee benefits. It's just, a, it's just a niche market, and it's also kind of future-proof, right, which I think maybe is possibly where you were heading, Andrew, is that people always need insurance. So it's in times of recession and things, insurance will always be around.
0: Well, thank you both, and Matt, thanks for that pivot to future. So I'm going to get to kind of individually for both of you, you know, where you see the future leading you, but kind of before we get there I'd be curious to get both of your I'm not even going to say 10 year because we can't predict 10 months in advance let alone 10 years but since you know you are truly in the weeds and in the trenches every day and you know you're you're seeing the costs you're seeing the trends you're seeing what employers are doing you're seeing what the health systems are doing if you had to give a 50% accurate guess what do you think the healthcare delivery system is going to look like in five years? Amanda, sorry to put you on the spot, but you want to go first with that one?
2: Sure. I think that the future of the healthcare delivery system is going to be a lot of direct contracting. Employers seeking out the lowest cost, highest quality providers and steering employees to more efficient type of care, you know, eliminating waste and uncertainty that comes with the varying cost and quality in healthcare. We're already seeing a lot of that shift. Um, a lot of our healthcare employer clients are interested in expanding this space and just, you know, working directly with health systems to get special pricing, to steer their employee populations to the lowest cost, best quality providers to try to eliminate some of the guesswork for healthcare consumers, you know, get the best outcomes.
1: I tend to agree with Amanda there. I think with all transparency is here, um, it's coming. They are currently trying to, the government is um, trying to get more access to what hospitals are charging for for healthcare and what the actual cost of that care is? What are the, what are the charges? And with all that information, we're going to see a lot more public access. People are going to have more access to that, and that's just going to drive hopefully costs down and and open the doors to seeing what are the highest quality facilities and the price for services at those facilities. So whenever everybody can see that it is going to really kind of shift how we currently view insurance today. It's with health insurance, it's, you know, a few really large carriers across the country and providers in a network. And um, that might still be the case, but starting soon, we'll be able to see, you know, just because a doctor or hospital is in a certain network, doesn't mean that they are all, the same price or the same quality of care. So where that care gets redirected is going to be very interesting.
0: Now, thank you. And Matt, I actually want to take kind of what you just touched on there and explore it a little bit deeper. And I'm going to redirect it only slightly because, you know, at the top you talked about really what you do on a day-to-day basis and who you work with, You, you know, you work with decision makers, company owners, the funders of these health plans. But in many ways, and you didn't say it, but I know this is true, working with you day in, day out, really our clients are the end users of that health insurance, right? The people who are experiencing some sort of medical need and interacting with the healthcare system. And a lot of what you do is helping advocate on their behalf or educate or helping them navigate what is, quite frankly, a kind of intimidating and confusing system. So I I would just be curious to ask both of you if you had one piece of advice for somebody maybe who doesn't have an employer or a provider that is helping them hold their hand through you know, a very trying time. How would you recommend people kind of access some of those transparency tools and the concept of transparency, Matt, that, that you were kind of just touching on?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of websites out there now that are trying to aggregate that data and, and get that information out there. Um, I don't know how much of it will be consumer friendly at this point, but but hopefully that's coming. If you don't have insurance today, if you don't have an employer to guide you through that, I would recommend, you know, somebody establishing a PCP at least. I think everybody should have one. And uh, that I'm is sorry, primary care position. I'm sorry about that. With the pandemic, um, one of the bright spots that came out of that was the utilization of virtual healthcare. care. So that can be a much lower cost access to a medical professional. While transparency is around the corner, like I said, I don't know how much of it is consumer Facing at the moment, but I'm sure that's just, we'll all see that soon.
0: Amanda, anything you'd add to that?
2: I would say ask a lot of questions. If you are expecting a procedure that's coming up, ask your provider up front what it costs. Call your insurance carrier or third-party administrator and make sure you understand how your benefits work, if any prior authorizations are required. Just anything, any information you can get ahead of time about the cost so you can make an informed decision. And then also shop around. Um, Just because you were referred to one provider does not mean that that's the provider you have to use. Do your homework, be a good healthcare consumer, ask questions, ask the pricing up front, and make sure you understand how your benefits work um, and how that translates into what your out-of-pocket expenses will be for a service.
0: Thank you both. All right. So now I'm going to put you a little bit on the hot seat personally, and personally, professionally, the theme of this podcast is the growth adventure. And you've both nicely touched on kind of what has brought you into insurance to begin with, and kind of where you are with Gregory Nippel to date. But if you had to pontificate and say at the time, you know, I'm, I'm done, I'm retiring, I'm, I'm walking away, I'm, I'm moving on to whatever's next. What do you see as what you have yet to accomplish? And more importantly, how do you see our industry continuing to evolve to support that
1: vision?
2: That's a good question. That is a good question. I would say understanding and staying on top of all the regulatory changes, being involved, asking questions, understanding what's in the healthcare landscape and what's to come, being prepared for that, And then also going back again to direct contracting. That's an area that I I feel like the market is going. There's not a lot of people that dispute that at this point. So just understanding um, how to use data to direct care to the most cost-efficient, high-quality providers and guiding employers and members and employees on how to use the information we have, use the data that we have, use the new transparency information that's going to be available and how best to put that together to make informed decisions.
1: Yeah. And I think Amanda touched on it there with all this access to data. I mean, the transparency data will be great because we will see, you know, kind of behind the curtain of healthcare providers and insurance carriers and things like that. But with a self-funded health plan, employers can have access to their data now as far as what they pay for um, different services and things. And so access to data uh, on that end has been around for a while. It's about, it'll be interesting to see how we can better use that data to make decisions and see trends and actualize it. So I think that'll be something that will be interesting to watch moving forward. And I think, you know, anything we can do to, help employees and members, anybody with health insurance, understand health insurance, understand their benefits, understand a little bit about the healthcare system just enough to know that, you know, when something happens, I should start here and then I should go here. If I need an MRI, that's something could be very expensive. What's the lowest cost place I can get that done at, right? We're used to shopping for headphones and doing reviews but maybe not for where we can get our medical care. So I think anything that we can do to help employees, I keep saying employees, help anybody with health insurance understand what's available to them and where to go to get care when they need it um, at the most affordable price. Because unfortunately, I think sometimes today you have people who forego care because they don't think they'll be able to afford it.
0: Thank you both. All right. So I'm really, I'm going to push you on this one. My challenge to you is to be able to answer this two part question without using any insurance language. So just, which is challenging. Anytime you're really good at what you do, you love talking about it. But so a two-part question is, if you had to tell the 20-year-old version of yourself something about your career arc and journey, what would it be? And also related to that is, because both of you have helped mentor and develop our colleagues internally is, if you were interacting with somebody in the general population, what would you tell them if if they were considering a career in insurance?
1: I guess I'll start. I, you know, I would tell 20 year old Matt that, you know, don't give up on yourself. No matter where you work, ask a lot of questions, work hard, always listen. And, you know, if you stay curious and you work hard, I think that That will help you no matter what you do. So those things. And then anybody who is considering a career in insurance, I'd say it's more fun than it sounds. You know, it's insurance is is like taxes or something. I think people hear it and they they cringe or they don't want to know anything about it. But, you know, like I said, I mean, I enjoy what I do. It's challenging learning something new all the time. Plus, we get the opportunity to to grow and mentor um, people as well. And then we're always learning and growing. So <laughs> Matt,
0: insurance is more fun than it sounds is the most insurance answer I think I have ever heard. We we are yep. the most self-deprecating industry that does does a horrible job promoting ourselves. So hey, insurance is more fun than it sounds. There we go. We'll put that on a billboard. <laughs> Amanda, how about you? <laughs>
2: So I would tell the twenty-year-old that insurance is not just deductibles and numbers. There's a lot more that that goes into it. You get to help people, you get to help companies, and you get to make a difference. You know, in the lives of people. I mean, and it's honest. That may sound dramatic, but there's times where, you know, we get to be involved in helping people get a prescription filled that might be life-saving for them, um, and helping them navigate that, it is rewarding. And it's not just, you know, looking at policies and and numbers all day and working with insurance carriers. So that's what I would tell the 20-year-old. And then just again, you know, that there's a lot more opportunity in, in insurance that I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, even outside of, you know, just working for an anthem or United Healthcare, there's a lot of different options.
0: Thank you. And Matt, no offense. I think Amanda's, the industry is about people, is better than, it's not as boring as it sounds. So Yeah, if we're, we're going to fund you're, a
1: billboard, I'd recommend yeah, it. Yeah,
0: you're, you're, I'm sorry, your billboard's <laughs> down, Amanda's is out, So
1: It was fun while it lasted.
0: <laughs> you had a good run for those yeah. you know, minute and 30 seconds. All right, so we are going to pivot now to the lightning round. So I'm going to ask you both the same four questions. We will alternate. There are no wrong answers, only long answers, and then we'll kind of circle back to kind of closing up with some final thoughts. But uh, Amanda, we will start with you. What would we find on your car radio?
2: True Crime Podcast.
0: (laughs) Okay. And Matt, on your drives in from Columbus, what would we find on your car radio?
1: Uh, 92.3. Shout out to WTTS.
0: There you go. Indiana strong. All right, Matt, you'll start off the second one. What would we find on your bedside table
1: or e-reader? E-reader, Atomic Habits. Okay. Amanda, how about you?
2: I currently have Oprah's Super Soul on my bedside table. (laughs)
0: Awesome. All right, so this next question is going to be the first time I ask it when two people are in the same room. So if you disagree, please do not hurt each other. Amanda, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. (laughs) All We're in agreement. Yep. Three dog three dog fans here. Sorry, cat people. All right. Last question. And this one is a little bit more serious. And Matt, we will start with you on this one. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given?
1: One of the best pieces of advice um, I've ever been given is something to the effect of, you know, you can't control the weather. So learn to dance in the rain, that kind of narrative. You know, I think... There are a lot of things in our lives that happen every single day that we can't control. Um, But what you can control is your perspective um, and how you deal with things. And if you view challenges as opportunities to learn or grow, if you think you have a good life, you do have a good life. If you think you have a bad life, then you do.
2: Thank
0: you. Amanda?
2: And mine would be more work-related, but one of the VPs of HR at one of my clients who passed away about a year ago always encouraged me to make recommendations. So I always try to remember that. And when I'm working with clients, remember that we're the experts and make, you know, recommendations, you know, coming from an area of education and, you know, being that expert and giving advice to our clients and making recommendations on a regular basis.
0: Thank you. All right. And before we uh, before we wrap up, I'm, I'm going to try hard not to make this just purely a commercial about a career at Gregory Nepal. So I'm going to ask both of you, how would you encourage anyone listening to advocate for themselves in their career development?
2: I can start. I would say don't be afraid to ask questions and learn as much as you can. You know, identify somebody that you trust um, to mentor you. Um, that's been a huge part of my success in my career. Um, early on, I was lucky enough to work with several very good mentors. So finding the, that person that you can learn from who's willing and patient to be able to teach you as much as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Never be afraid to ask questions. Um, never stop learning Always be open to feedback. Never take yourself too seriously. You know, there's a lot of smart people out there that can teach you things. And work hard. Never hesitate to say, I'm sorry, or I'll do better. Accept responsibility. And I said, if you work hard and and, and do all the other things, I think that's what really matters in the long run.
0: Well, thank you both. Well, uh, Amanda Gilbert and Matt Thompson thank you so much for joining the growth adventure podcast. I look forward to uh, reprising these themes with some of our other colleagues, hopefully at the end of season four, but thank you for uh, being the Guinea pigs and uh, sitting down on the hot seats to be the first. So have a wonderful day.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Yes. Thank you.